How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me this afternoon is Frank Madden. And yes, afternoon, we are on, on top of our games. Or maybe we just don't have other things whoa, to do today. Whoa, 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 whoa. Um, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit there. Let's just, okay, fine. The schedule's just worked out that we can record in the afternoon on a Sunday. So maybe that means we'll get something up early-ish and on time and whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's an afternoon. Uh, I'm currently watching the selection show so if i get distracted at some point um i apologize but i'll try not to and yeah the buck uh, the bucks won two games this weekend frank that is awesome exciting and interesting question mark <laughs> yeah it, it didn't feel like they particularly played that well against either the indiana pacers or the minnesota timberwolves um, you know, Giannis and, and Chris Middleton, I'd say, were not as good uh, in in those two games as, as maybe they were in some of the other games. Um, but uh, you know, they they got some contributions from other guys. Uh, they and and it's just like weird. It's like defensively, the numbers have been much improved over the last thirteen games. I think um, the overall numbers are fifth in offense, twelfth uh, in defensive rating over the last thirteen games. That's you know again we're cherry picking the the good phase here, um, but in that span, ten and three. Um, and and I don't know. I mean, it's like it, it, for a while it seemed like you know when the Bucks did something wrong that they would always get punished. And it seems like the last couple games, um, you know, they're they're maybe playing a little. Um, with the exception of John Henson getting some minutes at power forward, it seems like they've been kind of forced to play smaller with Beasley out, with Toledovich out. Um, maybe they're getting out. Maybe they're you know defending three-point line a little bit better. Um, but overall, it also just seems like, I don't know, teams aren't trying to shoot as many threes. Teams aren't making as many threes. Um, it's, it seems like for once, uh, teams maybe are, are, you know, maybe some of the some bad luck might be swinging for good luck again from the three-point line. Um, Indiana just two out of 18 from three on Friday night. So clearly um, a fair bit of luck there. You don't get to hold a team to 11% without some things going right um, for you. And then five out of 13, the, the pace or the uh, Wolves kind of going with the Sam Mitchell throwback game uh, on Saturday night, uh, not shooting any threes, uh, really at all. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think for the Bucks, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's March. So, so I think they're, you know, you maybe take a little bit of that survive in advance type mentality. Um, obviously you're going to lose some games at some point, but certainly winning, winning these home games, especially ahead of a six game road trip is, is pretty crucial and, um, not always necessarily pretty how they did it. Um, but getting enough contributions from other guys, uh, in addition to Giannis and and Chris, uh, and you know, uh, Rashad Vaughn, John Henson, you know, Tony Snell, Matthew Delvadova, all guys that uh, maybe not people that we've been able to rely on night to night to uh, to help uh, the Bucks win games, but um, all of them sort of had moments uh, over these past couple of days that that certainly uh, played a role in in uh, a very uh, successful and. Uh, winning weekend at home i thought that was kind of the crazy thing in that game last night against the timberwolves no one goes for 20 plus 
Your leading scorer is Tony Snell at 19, and you have seven guys in double digits, and three of those guys are Delhi, Henson, and Vaughn. Like, what world is this game from? <laughs> you, you could have told me that two weeks ago, and I wouldn't have believed you. I, I don't know. I don't know if I would have believed one of them was in double digits. And uh, yeah, it, it 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 is kind of crazy to see these guys pull out some of these games and do it in in an ugly way. And, and that's something, man. A month ago, I don't think you would have felt certainly at the start of the year where they could never win a close game. All of a sudden, they they're making winning plays and they're, they're finding ways to close other teams out and that's just not something we've seen this team do so i think obviously the exciting part is most of it is has been with Giannis on the floor he goes for almost 40 minutes on friday night and then 40 minutes on saturday night obviously you don't want his minutes up that high but the fact that they're pulling games out with him and doing great things and even last night I, I think you see his tired legs have a have a major effect on him offensively where he misses two or three point blank shots that Giannis doesn't miss that just does not miss those and uh, maybe the legs were just tired enough that he couldn't dunk those and instead had to lay them in but shots you don't see him miss but then on the other end two huge blocks and you, you can kind of just see the the potential that everyone always thought was there with Giannis uh, to affect games in just massive ways on each side of the ball and that was that was kind of the story on Saturday night and uh, again on on Friday night five steals for Giannis that night and again it wasn't the prettiest game only 21 8 and five the rest of his counting stats and six turnovers and Middleton had seven turnovers against the Pacers and just ugly games from those two guys and the Bucks somehow pulled out those games and uh, I don't know I, I guess it when you're on one of these winning streaks sometimes things just just go right and I think that's kind of what you could say this weekend the the Bucks two best players didn't play all that well and they won both games pretty handily yeah I, I mean i think rubio got the wolves to within two on friday um indiana never never really i mean they, they were in the game uh they started very well um they were in the game you know in the second half but it just i don't know felt like they were kind of running in mud um offensively and kind of a similar story for the pacers uh a couple team or sorry for the wolves as well um you know just looking like a team that kind of just did not have its A game, and and I think with the Timberwolves, you know, they they came off a huge uh, one point win over the Warriors on Friday. Um, I was kind of happy to see that, if for no other reason than you know, as it was tweeting out um, after an emotional win like that, you then have to go on the road and and play kind of a letdown game in Milwaukee. Let's be honest. Um, I mean, Minnesota has been much better over the last couple months uh, than the way they started the season, which of course everybody knows they were hugely disappointing so early on um but uh you know to kind of come into milwaukee maybe with some some tired legs as well um they they obviously you know other than carl anthony towns and ricky rubio both of whom um were really great last night um you know they had basically no help whatsoever wiggins was was pretty invisible um you know Brandon Rush is starting at, at, at the the shooting guard spot for them with with Zach Levine out. He didn't attempt a three last night. Um, and, you know, you add that to the fact that the Wolves played big so much of the time with Jang and Towns playing together. Uh, and then you go to the bench and it's like, all right, who are your guards off the bench? Tyus Jones, 
who took two shots both inside the arc, which he missed in 12 minutes. Chris Dunn, who can't shoot and was over two from three in 20 minutes. Um, there's pretty much, you know, again, this sort of plays exactly into um, the hands of a team like the Bucks, who obviously can be vulnerable through point shooting. But if you don't got shooters and you kind of, you know, you kind of fall into the Bucks trap, I think a little bit. And, you know, maybe the, the Timberwolves didn't turn the ball over a ton, only 12 turnovers. Um, the Bucks have been forcing a lot more turnovers uh, in this winning kind of, you know, uh, maybe month or so uh, that they've been in, uh, this 10-3 and three period that they've been in. Um, but last night, obviously, um, Minnesota just sort of, yeah, just didn't look like a team that, that really was going to take a win from you. And the Bucks, as much as they were not great, um, only nine turnovers. Uh, this has been another theme. They forced a ton of turnovers, and they've really taken care of the ball themselves, uh, which, you know, again, how sample is that? I don't know. Um, but they've been one of the best teams in the league in terms of ball control and not turning it over over the past couple of weeks. And, you know, look, you know, a lot of times people kind of look overlook the turnover column a little bit. Um, but again, you, you get those couple extra possessions over your opponent every game. Um, that really adds up. And, you know, we've seen for the Bucks that's been a huge part of the story over the past few weeks. Uh, and, you know, the irony is that, you know, we think of this team, oh, they got to go out and play fast and get, you know, easy baskets in order to win. Um, their transition scoring is actually down over this good period. And they've actually been last in the league in pace. Um, which, you know, kind of runs counter to like a lot of the theory of like, oh, well, you know, you got Giannis and, and not, you don't have Jabari anymore, but, um, you know, you want to play fast and, and get out in the open court cause this isn't a good half court team. And, um, you know, I think that it doesn't really like the, the math doesn't really add up so much over the past couple of weeks. Cause obviously with Middleton coming back, I think you are certainly a better half court team. Um, and, uh, and obviously, you know, you have a team that, that is shooting a lot more threes than last year, which makes them better in half court. Um, they can stretch the floor a little bit more. Uh, and obviously with, with Giannis and Chris just being such dangerous weapons, in addition to Greg Monroe, who's, you know, clearly a half court kind of guy. Um, it does seem to be kind of bending their way. And, and obviously, you know, maybe this team is, is finally gotten some things to break their way as well, which maybe that doesn't last forever, but um, certainly a six game winning streak couldn't have come at a better time. It's sort of funny to think about, you mentioned the turnovers and how it's so extreme in those directions that for the Bucks are really limiting turnovers and then really creating a a good percentage more recently. And you think of all of the different categories that you'd want, you'd really want to see those, those extreme differences and turnovers is one. And then three point attempts is another one. And that one again has kind of swung into the Bucks' favor as of late. They've, they've done a better job limiting people from the three point line and limiting three point attempts. And, they're shooting a pretty good number of three-pointers. So um, it, it's just interesting to see those, ex- I mean, extreme numbers on each side. And it, it's really swung in the Bucks' favor. And, yeah, it, it, it's strange to watch this team kind of play as well as they're playing right now. Um, I, I didn't, I certainly didn't think a six-game win streak was, was in the cards really at any point this season. Uh, maybe maybe during the start of December when you thought, okay, this, this is actually a good basketball team. But after December, the end of December and January, where things started to go poorly, it, it just didn't seem like this team could ever rattle off something like that again. So, um, it just kind of strange stuff going on with the bucks. Um, let's talk about, let's talk a little bit about Rashad Vaughn. 
Um, <laughs> 25 minutes uh, in each of the last two games. Um, I would say a strong defense in in the second half of each of those games. Uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily going too far and uh, rim, rim protector Rashad Vaughn thank you very much <laughs> yeah a, a block against the T-Wolves and uh, really just doing a nice job defensively and I guess it's kind of funny that with his kind of reputation you would think of oh he's an offense first guy and he, he's supposed to be a shooter and a guy that can score so he's not going to be able to defend and it, I think in the last year it's totally flipped like he can defend he just can't really do anything offensively. And then all of a sudden against the T-Wolves, he scores eight points in the fourth quarter and passed up all of the open looks from three <laughs> to attack the rim um, and somehow finish at the rim. So I, I don't even know. It, again, during this stretch, you've just seen some weird things. And I think that's got to be on top of the list of the weirdest. Yeah, there there were a lot of... No, no, no. Yes, moments from Rashad Vaughn last night. Um, <laughs> I don't know you how know, uh, he literally passed up a catch and shoot three for a shot clock violation, Frank. Yeah, and it, it was. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've ever been more upset. <laughs> you, you have to shoot <laughs> the basketball, and he w- just refused to do it. And it's strange to see again a guy that's supposed to be a knockdown shooter has that kind of reputation. Defenses certainly guard him that way that he is a knockdown shooter and he seems to have no confidence in his three-point stroke at this point yeah it's it's just strange i mean i mean friday night uh 25 minutes uh, a bunch of run in the fourth quarter um but again you know they were plus 13 with him on the court somehow uh and a lot of those minutes obviously coming because you don't have malcolm brogdon out with the sore back these last couple games um so there's room in in those shooting guard minutes um that said you know Tony Snell playing 32 minutes on Friday and 28 minutes last night when he was on fire. Um, I would happily throw Tony Snell out there for five more minutes per game. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Just because I know what Tony Snell is going to do and I know he's going to shoot those threes and he's been knocking down threes all season. And, um, you know, as much as Vaughn has, has I think, been encouraging um, as a man defender at times, you know, I, I still don't know if he does much for you, you know, as a help guy, but. Um, but we know that Snell is obviously a guy that that you can trust defensively and, and who can take the challenge of, of defending uh, the other team's, you know, kind of lead uh, one through three guys. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, not not to use Rashad Vaughn being a big part of wins as an excuse to, to knock Rashad Vaughn and say, why doesn't Tony Snell play more? <laughs> but that, that was definitely on my mind last night. Um, and I think it also, uh, you know, I, I, there were times where it was just like, man, like, it just feels like Vaughn up until he had that little run in the fourth quarter with, you know, he was, I think he had what he had a, a, a he got out on the break for, I think he had a steal and a layup um, yeah. for his first basket. I think he leaked out and had another layup in the fourth quarter um, with his left hand. And then Monroe hit him for a terrific, um, I don't know how he got Vaughn off a cut. Um, Cause there's basically no room, but Monroe had a terrific pass for another one of uh, Rashad's layups. And then he had two, two one, you know, where he, he pumped fake and then he drove to the basket and scored. And that's obviously the thing that, you know, we've always sort of felt like wasn't necessarily there with Vaughn. He didn't really even do that in college that much. Um, and so obviously if, you know, if he can knock down a three and use, you know, that shot equity to, to get to the rim at times and, and finish the layup, obviously that would be a great thing. Right. But we just, you know, it seems like there are times when he hits threes and 
now there's this one game where he got to the rim <laughs> for some layups. But, you know, if he could put all those things together, then obviously then you start to think, okay, Rashad Vaughn, like, you look, you know, okay, like you're, you're going in the right direction defensively. Maybe um, we can find find a role for you here. Um, but obviously, you know, I think all you can say is, you know, you just, you're just happy for the guy that, he played big minutes and it didn't end up hurting the team. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll put it that way. You know, he got to, you know, Jason Kidd rolled the dice on him with fourth quarter minutes. I would not have. Uh, I would not have had the guts <laughs> to play him as many minutes as he played in the fourth quarter of the past two games. Um, but obviously, it, you know, it worked out and, and kudos to him. And also kudos to John Henson, who, um, you know, comes back with, with back-to-back double-digit scoring games. Um, I think he had four blocks on Friday, two blocks on Saturday. Um, I mean, it know, seems like I would describe his contributions in the exact same way that, well, the, you're happy to say that, well, he he was on the floor and he played and he didn't actively hurt the team and at times really helped the team. He, he was generally pretty active in both of those games and I, I think a plus seven against the T Wolves and a plus ten against the against the Pacers. So he came in and played big minutes and made some solid plays. At least with Henson, we've seen him actually be Correct. a competent NBA player before. So I mean, it's it's probably less surprising from him. Although you know, we we, we did have that. I don't know if you call it weird, but let's just say you know there was an eight game streak where the Bucks won eight straight games in which he <laughs> DNP'd, yeah. and they lost twelve out of thirteen in which he played. So not exactly, not, not exactly, a ringing endorsement. Not a ringing endorsement of John Henson's role on the team. Um, but obviously, you know, you're happy to see him get some minutes. Um, I'll, I'm, he, I'm also happy to see a John Henson transition Euro step dunk, which has to be. I mean, it's probably fitting that that play happened in the same game that Rashad Vaughn had an up and under finish at the rim because <laughs> I, I don't know if there are two more improbable plays uh, that you could describe for me going into a game to happen. And I, I I didn't I didn't really see the replay. I just assumed the Euro step is what we would normally call a travel, but I didn't see John Henson the replay of that. But I, I, I don't know. Did I think it was pretty okay. Was it legit? It was, All right. I All think right. It, I think it was okay. Um, All right. I mean, obviously, it wasn't as smooth as, say, someone like Giannis would make it look, but I I thought it was pretty legit. Um, but yeah, again, speaks to the weirdness of this weekend and speaks to kind of the good vibes going on with this team right now. And again, I, I think it sounds silly for us to break down a game and talk about good vibes and, well, the things just kind of went right, but that happens in an 82 NBA game, in an 82 game NBA schedule. That that happens and things can go right for you. And that's kind of what's happened with the bucks. Um, I, what, I guess let's also talk about Tony Snell. Um, who's just lighting it up right now. Uh, I think, I think there's six games in a row that he's been in double figures and he's shooting like 55% from three, something, maybe 60%. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. I think I saw bucks PR tweeted out earlier today, but it, it, He's playing really well right now, and I guess the the conversation with him to me always comes back to, okay, he's he's very good in his role. His role is extremely specific to me. Um, I, I think if you're defining the the major characteristics of Tony Snell, it's don't dribble, catch and shoot threes, defend the other team's best player. And I think that about sums up everything that he does, but it also happens that 
two of those things are very important. <laughs> that shooting open threes when you have them, or even shooting slightly contested threes, but just shooting threes and defending the other team's best player, those are very important things. But then again, when you, you look at his statistics, well, Tony Snell is averaging eight and a half points this season, three and th- just over three rebounds, an assist a game, half a steal, two tenths of a block. Like it, there's nothing very exciting about his, his, his counting stats. And, and I know I'm trying to think it was almost a month and a half ago that I went on this rant talking about how, how good Tony Snell has been for this team and how little he's appreciated. And I think that still might be true, but maybe we're moving to the other side where Tony Snell is getting a lot of praise. And all I can think about in my head is how much is he worth this off season? Yeah, that's, that's obviously, you know, one of the concerns. I think I did see a stat that, you know, since some date he's like leading the NBA in three point shooting or something like that. He's 46% since the all-star break, um, 41% on the season career high uh, all way. And I think the, the, the interesting thing about him, I mean, we know that his, his shot chart is basically, it's, I mean, it's two thirds threes. So everything else he does is, is pretty limited, but you know, you look at his splits by, by, you know, where he's shooting on the court and, you know, he's 43% from long two. He's 46% from 10 to 16 feet. He's 38% three to 10 feet, which is not bad. 67% at the rim. And all those are very small samples other than the three point shooting basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, you love what Snell's done this year. I can't imagine where this team would be when you think about some of the injuries they've had, especially Middleton's at start the season. I can't even imagine where they'd be if they had not traded Michael Carter-Williams for Tony Oof. Snell. Um, you know, we that, that's one of those hypotheticals that, you know, would only appeal to, to someone if you were purely trying to, to focus on lottery standings. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's been great, and he's in a contract year. So it's going to be a really interesting decision for the Bucks this summer. I mean, the good news is he's a restricted free agent, right? So um, I'm sure that, you know, again, you'll try to – put the vibe out that that the bucks want to keep him and love him and and cherish him and never let anybody else uh you know get him um and i guess we'll just we'll just have to see you know is there going to be a team out there that especially given the value of three and d wings um and and the fact that he's kind of blossomed into that type of guy this year sort of in a more fully realized way um you know is is would somebody out there with cap space actually take a run at tony snell would I, I don't the, know would the bucks take a run at tony snell <laughs> I, like isn't you know, isn't yeah. that a question that has to be asked though? Like with yeah. the way the Bucks have treated restricted free agency, I I, I think part of it might be because of maybe the Luke Bamute kind of ordeal where he got a deal they matched it and then he wasn't happy. Like that maybe that's part of the reason why they so actively try to avoid restricted free agency. But we've seen a, a pattern of overpaying restricted free agents before letting them get an offer elsewhere. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, Plumlee is the, the, the major pain point there. Um, but uh, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I I think you can talk me into even $10 million a year uh, and not feeling bad about it. Um, and that's largely because, again, with Jabari Parker out, um, everything kind of shifts a little bit. We've talked about Chris Middleton going from being you know, primarily a two, if, if Giannis and Jabari are both healthy, versus um, Chris Middleton mainly becoming a three. 
and then starting with Tony Snell. Um, and obviously we're seeing, you know, good results when you have Middleton and Giannis as, as playmakers and Middleton also it. being obviously such a good shooter. You can play Snell and, and you know, again, whereas previously maybe um, there was more of a sacrifice in having a shooting guard who couldn't really do anything with the ball other than, you know, catch and shoot. Or um, By the way, check out brewhoop.com. We uh, had a, uh, a piece this week on on Tony Snell's uh, The Art of the Dribble Handoff that we see so much with, with Giannis. Um check that out that's certainly been a big part of what he's done well this year uh in general those those catch and shoot plays um but yeah i mean i think he's definitely a guy that you prioritize you know i would certainly i mean we've talked about it before you'd certainly prioritize him over you know a guy like beasley right who is a talented guy who's played well um but it it is it, I, I don't know i mean it, i don't want to transition out of snell entirely here but is it a coincidence that basically the bucks are you know showing a lot of signs of life and all of their sort of questionable defensive forwards are not playing right now. Obviously, Jabari's out for a long time. Beasley was playing well, and losing him seemed like it would be a big deal. It hasn't. Um, and even Toledovich, you know, didn't really play even when Beasley got hurt, and now he's been out the past couple of games with a, a sore hamstring. Um, you know, you would have thought you'd need at least one of those guys to balance things out. You would have thought if those guys were out, I don't know, Terrence Jones might sniff the floor. Um, <laughs> but instead, Jason Kidd's kind of bending over backwards to essentially play only one real power forward, and that's Giannis. And, you know, otherwise he's finding, you know, new ways to not play uh, other guys, and, and that's including, obviously, Henson getting run at the power forward spot. Yeah, and we talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but I had posed the question to you that if a month ago I asked you who are the three guys you like least defensively, uh I would probably guess it's those three guys, like entire roster. You're probably picking Beasley, Toledovich, and and Jabari Parker, and maybe you would you'd say Greg Monroe. Um, but other than, I mean, even if you do, so three three of the the top four guys that you think might be hurting your defense and might not be able to handle the scheme or execute the scheme the scheme quite right, um, and. Yeah, the, I, I think in my head it kind of adds up. It, it makes logical sense that as those guys have gone out, they've kind of, I mean, essentially they've eliminated that position from the team almost entirely, where they just decided, okay, we're just going to shift everyone down or up a spot, however you may be viewing particular people, but slotting Middleton in at the, at the three and then Giannis essentially more at the four, it's... I think it's been wildly successful, and I think it's created some interesting matchups for, uh, I mean, a lot of those guys, for Middleton and uh, for Giannis to have fours covering him a little bit more often. I think that's been helpful for him, and I think with Middleton, we've seen that if he's at the three, maybe they can initiate some sequences to get him switched on to point guards a little bit easier, um, where all of a sudden it's a 3-1 pick and roll, a, a 3-1 back screen, whatever it may be, and then all of a sudden Chris Middleton has someone that's six foot two on him. Um, and I, I don't know if we saw that necessarily as much when he was playing the two. Um, well, but he, I guess I guess the flip side was he was just generally being guarded by smaller guys, right? So he correct. could just... Correct. He'd have maybe a smaller advantage on a guy who was always guarding him, but yeah, but but yeah. I I do think that those advantages are now maybe a little bit more pronounced when those things happen, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, it's created a lot of interesting possibilities, and I think 
Giannis has said this a couple times now after games, but everyone's, I'm trying to think how he phrases it, but essentially everyone's roles make more sense. That everyone is fitting into their roles a little bit better now. People aren't being asked to do things that they can't do. And I, I, I would kind of agree with the assessment. I think this roster does make a lot of sense to play small with. And when Giannis can do all the things he can do defensively, again, you would highlight those blocks against Minnesota in the final couple minutes. Yeah, going small with him on the floor makes a whole lot of sense. And and honestly, last night, I, in my head, with the way Towns was playing, I was expecting the Bucks to go even smaller at some point and say, all right, we're going to play Giannis at center. And Giannis is probably our best matchup on Towns, and that's the way that we'll try to do it. Honestly, it probably worked out better that Giannis could stay on the backside and help out in that way. Um, but yeah, th- this is a roster, and especially one player, Giannis, that makes sense to go small with. I think the interesting thing, you know, is as we think about the defense, um, I, I, it's it's hard, right? Because even if you you know, let's say you look at you, know, you cherry pick the thirteen game. Uh, sample right where they've been 10 and 3 you can say 14 and, and that would then be 10 and 4 and that's the entirety of sort of the without Jabari with Chris period um, and I was just pulling up some numbers from the the 13 game sample which is you should be more favorable because you, you, know, you, you take out one of those losses the interesting thing is they've actually been worse in terms of opponent their their opponent effective field goal percentage ranking despite the fact that like nominally you'd say well they're they're allowing fewer threes um, it seems like they're playing better defense. Their defensive ra- ranking has certainly been better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've been 12th in that span um, as opposed to 20th uh, for the season. So it, it is kind of interesting, right? It, it does seem like they're still very boom bust as far as um, the opponent turnover rate is is really carrying them defensively yeah. um the only thing that they're not bottom 10 in from a four factor standpoint so that's opponent effective field goal percentage that's the most important thing right are guys hitting shots um opponent free throw rate they're 20th in that um defensive rebounding rate allowed 28th so they've not been good defend on the defensive boards they've also been really bad on the offensive boards in that span perhaps because they are going smaller um but it, it is interesting i think you want to be careful not to get too excited about the defense like having some epiphany mm-hmm. because um they are i think they've been one of the worst in the league if you look at just raw field goal percentage they've been one of the worst teams in the league um you know i just have images of that that utah game where they didn't defend the pick and roll at all <laughs> see see because that that's been kind of interesting to me too in this process it's like yeah they are giving up less threes but there's been games where they've given up a bunch of points in the paint and everything is easy for someone within three feet of the basket like that's not an ideal outcome either. Um, that that's I don't know if you want to say it's just as bad, but it's certainly not good. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, you know, the the Timberwolves, um, the Timberwolves put up 100 almost 107 points per 100 um, in terms of offensive rating, even though they only scored 95 points. Um, whereas the Pacers were at like 91.3, right? And so both games felt like, oh, the Bucks, you know, are, are they're playing good defense, right? And the Timberwolves game, I mean, that's still below their season mark um, in terms of uh, points per 100 defensively. But, you know, it's sort of one of those things like, again, this is why you always want to use pace-adjusted statistics. Because, like I said earlier, the Bucks are dead last in pace right now, right? Yeah. And um, that's interesting, right? I think there's some things that you can point to why offensively, certainly, the fact that they aren't turning the ball over, the fact that they're not getting offensive rebounds, 
um, or sorry, that the that that would work against them. But the fact that they're they're not turning the ball over probably is is um, you know tending to make longer possessions. Um, and then defensively, you know, maybe they are playing uh, obviously a little bit better defensively. Maybe there aren't so many early shot clock um, open shots as as maybe there were before. But overall. Um, you know, that's also a reason why they're, they're allowing fewer total threes is because, you know, the game slowed down a little bit. Um, and, and it, that obviously runs counter to the idea of like how you would think the Bucks would want to play offensively, right? You always think them as wanting to, you know, run and, and play fast, but, but it does seem like they're, they're starting to do some things, um, offensively more in half court, even with, you know, again, a lot of these, you know, what we think is kind of shot creators, you know, Beasley and Jabari, um, being hurt, um, let me ask you this. So given kind of where where the team is right now, some of the injuries, um, I, I don't know. How do you feel going into the six-game road trip? Do you feel like what they're doing is sustainable? Do you think some of these injuries are going to start to catch up with them? Um, we've talked a lot about the forwards. Malcolm Brogdon, obviously. Um, I think you talked to him uh, this weekend, but he missed both games. And obviously, he's been a pretty important piece of a, a pretty shallow uh, backcourt. Um, I don't know. What's your expectation kind of heading into this first game on Monday in Memphis? I don't know that it's really changed. I guess I was, what, when we predicted this? 3-3 three and three or 2-4? and four? I can't remember which. Um, but, I mean, I think you circle Friday's game against the Lakers. That's, I don't know if that's a must-win uh, can we transition to must wins now since there's only 17 games left in the season it's certainly a sucks to lose um but that i think you circled that that's a must win and i think you circled the last game on the road trip uh wednesday march 22nd against the sacramento kings those those two games seem like must wins to me and then if you can steal one from the grizzlies clippers warriors or blazers i, I think I think you, you, you're doing a pretty nice job on that road trip. Um, and then, obviously, we talk about 12 of the final 17 are on the road, but if you knock out six from each of those numbers, then, well, it's a, a little bit more even, where uh, six of the final 11, so it's pretty much 50-50 the rest of the way. So if you can go three and three in those games, um, that, that would be huge. I, I think the Brogdon injury is huge. I really do, and like you said, I talked to him pregame, and he's when I asked if he was going on the road trip, I, he kind of gave me a look and was like, of course, like, I'll be there. And then I asked if Monday was going to be a day that he thought he could play, and he, he said, well, I don't know, we'll have to see there. So I guess maybe Wednesday might be a day you would look at that he could, he could possibly return to action. Um, but if it's longer than that, man... I guess rolling the dice this much with uh, trying to put together rotation minutes because with Brogdon that's roughly 25 minutes a night you're trying to put together an add to Delhi, Terry and Vaughn like between those three you're covering 25 minutes and whether that is Rashad Vaughn getting a bunch of those or it's Terry going closer to 30 minutes on a night and Delhi going closer to 35. Like, however you get those 25 minutes, those are, those are scary minutes. Those are minutes that you, you don't really, uh, you, you don't really trust have, having out there. So I guess you just kind of have to hope for the best in that situation. I, I do think one thing that's nice is I, I just think of that second quarter on, uh, 
on Friday night. It was it was very ugly for the Bucks. And Middleton had a bunch of turnovers there because he was trying to force some stuff. Uh, and I think to John Henson and some other guys, but ultimately Middleton I think scores seven or nine points in that second quarter and hit some tough shots. But just him being able to kind of cover up for maybe a lack of lack of talent or a lack of healthy talent and maybe you can survive a little bit better there but yeah i i don't feel particularly confident um with that brogdon injury but i don't think it really changes the outlook of that road trip that much because i don't know how much of a chance i thought they had in those other four games with with the grizzlies the clippers the warriors and the blazers so uh, again i think it looks about the same do you think it's changed in any way with the six game win streak well i was kind of leading you to the answer you got um the, the brogdon injury is definitely one that makes me the most nervous i think uh you know beasley again i i I've been maybe pleasantly surprised that they haven't really seemed to miss Beasley at all. I think, you know, sort of the on-off metrics suggest that they've been totally fine without him this year anyway. Um, but obviously the fact that you're missing Beasley, Toledovic, and Jabari all at the same time, you do worry about, um, you know, again, can can you get by without playing, you know, Giannis and, and Chris more minutes than, than you want? Um, you know, the irony is it's probably going to ha- <laughs> adding a few more minutes to Giannis's, um, you know, he's averaging under 36 for the season, you know, bumping him up to 40 minutes, um, playing Chris over 30 minutes, you know, as long as those guys can sort of avoid breaking down entirely. I'm not sure that it actually, you know, doesn't help you, uh, <laughs> at least in sort of on a game to game basis. Um, but, you know, again, when you get into sort of back to backs, that's where you do begin to worry a little bit about them um, wearing down. And, and obviously, you know, you're, you're sprinting towards the end of the season, but, um, you know, you do obviously want to factor in kind of the, the big picture as well. Um, but, you know, again, I mean, the Bucks sort of they, they kind of control their own destiny. Um, you know, we, we were tweeting about sort of the tiebreakers and, you know, by virtue of of uh, beating the Bulls and the Pacers now, um, I guess, three games each. Uh, they now own the tiebreakers with the Pacers. They own the tiebreaker with the Bulls. Uh, I believe it's the divisional record. Um, at minimum, they're going to win the divisional record, even if they lose the next game to the Pistons. Um, so basically with Detroit, they're going to have the tiebreaker there as well. So it's really only the Heat um, in that group that's really close right now in the kind of let's say uh, six through uh, 10 spots that you'd have to worry about from a tiebreaker standpoint. But, um, you know, you look at the 538 standings uh, going into Sunday's games. And uh, as we're, we're having this conversation, the Bulls have already gotten blown out by the Pacers or sorry, by the uh, Celtics and the Pacers and Heat actually play each other very shortly. So that will obviously have an impact as well. But um, but the Bull, the Bucks technically still um, I believe would be outside the sort of projected playoff standings based on sort of 538's metrics. And a lot of that is because of the home road differential. Um, they've still got the Pistons uh, and Pacers projected to win 41 games. Um, the Bucks uh, projected at 40 and 42. Um, so, you know, again, it's kind of you know, like the Bucks at this point, they're 43% likelihood to make the playoffs. So still maybe a little bit lower than, um, you know, as a fan, you might you might have been hoping or expecting. Um, but obviously, with the Bulls kind of fading fast, um, that's been definitely an encouraging thing. So forty three um, feels pretty good, sort of, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the the one thing to note about the Bulls, um, they've got like the the easiest schedule on earth in the last six games of the season. 
Um, I forget the names, but they play like Brooklyn twice and pretty much it's like, you know, Philly and it's pretty much like all these games where if, if they're even, you know, remotely uh, together and I, maybe that's expecting a lot of them at this point. But um, but, you know, again, it, they have a chance to, to kind of clean up if they're if they can oh, get their, their act they, together. There's going to be some ugliness yeah. in those games, Frank, because those those other teams. Well, I guess Brooklyn doesn't have any incentive to lose, um, but man. There, there could be some ugly stuff in those games for the Bulls. Yeah, I, I am. I'm kind of. I'm looking forward to it. Let's just say that because it's, uh, it's definitely a weird, a weird time for the Bulls and not a fun time for Bulls fans. So finally, it's uh, it, being a Bucks fan actually is, is, uh, is on the right side of things. <laughs> but, but yeah, right now, and I forgot to mention the Heat as well. The Heat, the Heat, Pacers, Pistons, all currently projected to win 41 games even and take the six through eight spots. Um, but still plenty, plenty of left there. So again, I don't think, you know, the road trip, I think the main thing for me is still, can you avoid disaster? Um, I, I'm not worried necessarily about all three of those teams, the Heat, Pacers, Pistons running away from you. Um, but, uh, you know, again, you can't lose those sucks to lose games. Um, and if you do win, lose one or two of those, you know, you're going to have to make up for it by winning some games that maybe you weren't expect to. So, um, so anyway, I don't know. I feel like we've been sort of maybe more cautious than people might have expected us to be. Um, but I guess we've also been Bucks fans for too long to, to get <laughs> you know too over the moon. But but clearly, I think this is the longest win streak since uh, I think I saw the, the 11, 12 season. So, hey, that's something. Significant, I mean, yeah. that's, that's five years. Um, and so obviously you're you're excited for for the players to to have some some positive momentum and um, going out into a tough road trip that we've been circling since the start of the year um, you know if they can just sort of hold serve at least a little bit here um, you know again only six home games left for the entire season um, you know compare that to Indiana which has uh, as we are, are having this discussion they're they're gonna have eight games left after tonight um, Detroit has seven left um, and uh uh, or sorry, no. Bucks only have five left. Apologies, five left for the Bucks. Um, Detroit seven left. Pacers will have eight left. Um, Heat nine left, uh, and Bulls eight left. So that that's a big reason for why um, there's still that that sense in these some of these projection models that uh, that the Bucks have a bit of an, an uphill battle. But at 32 and 33, I don't think you know. I certainly didn't expect them to get back to within a game of 500. Um, and and we'll see. They've got a great chance here, obviously, going into this road trip. Uh, Memphis has been really struggling uh, of late. Uh, we've seen, obviously, the Warriors as as awesome as they are. They've been struggling of late. Uh, as you mentioned, the Kings and Lakers are the Kings and Lakers. We saw firsthand the Clippers are all over the place. Um, and Portland, obviously, has been generally pretty disappointing this season. And, um, you know, they, they're they still trying to figure some stuff out as well. So in a weird way, even that even the Warriors game might be winnable in sort of a like it could happen type type way. Um, but again, you just sort of look at it in the big picture. If you can win three of those games, that's probably a really good haul. Um, and even two isn't a disaster. But um I guess we'll see. It should be an interesting week. It's funny you mentioned how bad the Grizzlies have been lately. I, I'm so disappointed that this game is in Memphis and not in Milwaukee because David Fisdale has been on fire for the last week. Like I don't know if you've seen some of his quotes, um, but whew, there's been some good clips there. And uh, the fact that there's been so many good clips really helps tell you how lost that Grizzlies team is. So maybe, maybe that is a game that the Bucks can sneak out and, and get a win tonight and steal one of those, one of those four that I had mentioned earlier. So we'll see if they can do that. Um, I'm 
100% confident that this might be the least we've talked about Giannis Adetokounmpo in one of our podcasts this year. I, I, I would say maybe five minutes of Giannis discussion, and this is going to be a 40-plus minute podcast. So, so good on us, but also I think that speaks to just how weird and strange this weekend was. Yeah, I, I hope we'll have much more uh, fawning over Giannis to do this week. Um, but obviously it's part of the story of this weekend in, in a good way was that he had some help and um you know again not to take away from some of the great things he did um especially against indiana i think he had some really nice moments um but uh last night big couple big blocks defensively down the stretch maybe lost his legs a little bit i I was waiting for one of he had a couple drives of the basket where he really thought he was going to finish um i think that would have been the perfect capper but um i think uh i think Giannis will take the win and the six game losing or six game winning streak and happily head on the road with that instead yeah i'll take those blocks too because those were cool um that's gonna be it for us this has been locked on bucks we will talk to you after uh this grizzlies game that will happen i guess today if you're listening maybe you're listening on sunday night if we get it out early enough um but we'll talk to you after the game on monday this has been locked on bucks we'll talk to you tomorrow